good morning. This reading is uh, taken in Colossians chapter 2, verse 4 to 23. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of ages, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as you were still Alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perishes are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Well, once again, a very... Good morning to you all. Welcome to Church at Home. We come now to God's Word, and uh, that's the great joy and privilege that we have to come to the Word of God and to sit under God and His Word and their authority. It's uh, Saturday morning here, and uh, you are Sunday morning, and of course Proud is here looking after me. Thank you, Proud, and uh, thank you to all the media team. It's so painful, isn't it, that uh, we're still not together at the same time. And uh, God willing, that'll happen uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks or months, who knows when. And uh, But one of the most painful things for me has been that we can't be together as God's people. I think that's been the most painful thing for God's people, not to be able to gather together. In actual fact, the other day I was at uh, Nakupila School and I was meeting with... Um, I just popped in and the heads of departments, the management team were meeting and uh, Silas asked me just to share a few words and to pray with them. And I said to them, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, everyone had their masks on and they were you know, two meters apart. And it, I said, you know, this is so painful. And I said, obviously, we as leaders here in the school need to be brave. We need to be positive. Uh, obviously, we know that God is sovereign and God is in control of all things. And obviously, we know that God is teaching us, each one of us, uh, many things uh, through, this, uh, through this virus and through this lockdown. 
But I want you to know, I find this unbelievably painful and I hate it. Uh, and I think that's true for all of us, especially the fact that we can't be together as God's people. I was sharing that the other day with uh, with Sid Sparks and uh, Sid said to me, you know what, Martin, he said, it's a taste of hell. And I think Sid's right. It's a taste of hell. There's no friendship in hell. There's no fellowship in hell. There's no joy in hell. So we pray that uh, it won't be long before we as God's people can be together and praise God together and sing together and pray together and listen to God's word together. So let me pray now, Colossians chapter 2, and we're looking at verse 4 to verse verse uh, 23, now, most of chapter 2 in Colossians. It will really be a great help to me if you can turn to that. Let me pray and then we'll come to God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even though we are not physically together, we are together in spirit and your Holy Spirit, your invisible, unseen spirit is present with each and every one of us. And we pray for that same Holy Spirit to open up his word, your word, to open up our hearts, our minds, our eyes, that we may hear God's voice once again as we study God's word. And we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. I went onto the TB Joshua website a couple of days ago, and I noticed that you could buy anointed water. Evidently, God manifests his power when you buy and use this water. The packet actually says Jesus's presence in morning water saves, heals, blesses, delivers. I was uh, scrolling through uh, Google and uh, saw an article entitled How Fasting Releases God's Blessings. And the article talked about the blessings of health, of wealth, of success, if you fast according to the book that was being advertised. Now imagine if you are struggling in your Christian life. Perhaps, you, perhaps you're struggling with a question, is it, is it all real? Is it true? Or perhaps you're struggling with, with some health issues, real health issues, or, or marriage issues, or family issues. Perhaps you're struggling to find a life partner, Perhaps you're struggling to fall pregnant. Perhaps you're struggling with in-law problems or family problems. Perhaps you're struggling with, uh, with a difficult teenager. And you may be very tempted when you're, really, when you're really at your wit's end. You may be tempted to think, let me just buy some of that water. It can't do all that much harm, can it? Or let me just fast for, for 14 days or 21 days and, and release some of these blessings. Or let me buy some of that special ZCC tea. Um, perhaps you've already done that, but it didn't work. And so you say, well, let me try again. Perhaps I didn't pray enough. Perhaps I didn't uh, have enough faith. Now, if that's you, then I think Paul is talking to you here in Colossians chapter 2. Perhaps that's not where you are. Uh, you know that's all, uh, that's all trash. And uh, it's just exploiting people. But you do have this nagging doubt in the back of your mind. I think I'd be more of a complete Christian if I did 
A, B, C. Perhaps I'd be really forgiven, accepted into God's presence if I did X, Y, Z. Or perhaps I'd be a more devoted Christian if I did E, F, G. Well, if that's you, then I think Paul is speaking to you here in Colossians chapter 2. Let's pick up chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 8 to get some of the background, the context of what's happening here in the letter. Chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Chapter 2, verse uh, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, as you well know from our previous studies here in Colossians, false teachers, after the church had been planted by Epaphras, false teachers had infiltrated the church, they'd become leaders in the church, and they were misleading the people of God. No doubt they were, they were cool. No doubt they were, they were brilliant communicators, great motivational speakers. You know motivational, great motivational speakers. In, in, in one moment they have you laughing, the next moment they have you crying. Um, uh, I'm, I'm obviously not a great motivational speaker. No one, cry, no, one, no one laughs at my jokes and they just cry with a pain. So um, perhaps, perhaps these were the original uh, TED uh, writers and speakers and yet Paul tells us, uh, despite their eloquence and their great abilities, it's fake news. It's false doctrine. It's a false gospel. It's distorted teaching. So that's the background. So in the midst of this confusion, this misunderstanding, Paul writes to the Christian church to help them, to correct them, to clear up uh, many of these misunderstandings that had been uh, taught in their church. So let's have a look at the passage. It's quite a long passage. I won't be able to deal with all of it, obviously. But I think there are three main principles here. Let me give them to you. He talks about being rooted in Christ. He talks about Christ plus nothing. And then he talks about fullness in Christ. So we're going to unpack those three principles as we look at this passage. First of all, then, rooted in Christ. Verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, in many ways, verse 6 and verse 7 is a summary of the letter. Paul is saying, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, when he paid for our shared the gospel with you in chapter 1, verse 7, Continue as you started, rooted, built up, established in Christ, established in the faith of Christ. The Jesus that Epaphras taught you, the Jesus uh, faith that you received back then is the same Jesus you need to continue in. Not a new Jesus, not another gospel, not another Jesus, no, the same Jesus. Continue in the Jesus, continue in the gospel you received. I once heard on on uh, radio um, um, a, a person in advertising being being interviewed, and uh, one of his comments was that that in advertising you always always have to use one of three words. Uh, you must use at least one of them, either the word new or the word free or the word sex. 
And um, Paul says here, you don't need a new Jesus. No, continue in the same Jesus you received. The same Jesus I, I gave you his CV in chapter 1, verse 15, that this Jesus is the very image of God. This Jesus is the creator of the universe, of the world. This Jesus is the head of the church. This Jesus is the source, the only source, the ultimate source of salvation. There's a key phrase there in verse 7. He said, established in the faith, just as you were taught. So the key to be rooted, to be built up, to be established in the faith is to be taught in the faith. It starts with truth that affects the mind. It doesn't start with a feeling or experience or emotion. Certainly it will affect those things. But that's not where it starts. The truth affects the mind. Now we saw that last week in chapter 2. Have a look at chapter 2 verse 2 and uh, 3. Notice his emphasis there, both on the head and the heart. Because that's where it starts. That their hearts, chapter 2 verse 2, have you got it there? That their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice there, there's an emphasis on the heart and there's an emphasis on the head. There's understanding, there's knowledge, there's wisdom, there's truth. Paul tells us much the same thing. Turn with me quickly. Just turn a few pages back. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. So keep your place in Colossians 2. But notice the same kind of emphasis on both the head and the heart in, uh, in Ephesians, verse, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 20. Have you got it there? Ephesians 4, verse 20. The same Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. But notice what he says. But that is not the way you learned Christ. You learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. So you heard about him. You were taught in him uh, as the truth is in Jesus. Notice those emphases. You learned Christ. You heard. You were taught the truth. Verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So there seems to be a clear sequence uh, in, in New Testament teaching and especially Paul's teaching. Uh, when it comes to Christian conversion and Christian growth. First, the truth will affect your head, then it'll affect your heart, and then it'll affect your hands. Meaning that the truth must obviously come to your mind. You need to understand the truth about Jesus, the faith, Christ Jesus, the Lord, who he is and what he's done. It comes to your, to your mind, but then it affects your will. And then in turn, it'll affect your behavior. You see, if it only affects your head, so there is an emphasis here on the mind, on thinking, but if it only affects your mind and your head, you know better than the demons. Remember in James chapter 2, verse 19, James says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, it's not saying that the demons are Christians, not at all. Even the demons know that there's one God. They have that knowledge. But it's purely intellectual. It hasn't affected their hearts, obviously, or their will. There's no submission. There's no acknowledgement. There's no trust. So intellectual assent is not enough. 
it is where it starts, and it's absolutely key. But if it doesn't affect your will, your heart, it's not true saving faith. It's not true growing faith. Saving faith is head and heart, which will then affect your hands. Growing faith is your head, your heart, and then your hands. So that's why in Colossians, the structure of Colossians gives us the, uh, the clue. Uh, chapter, chapter 1 and 2 is Christian doctrine. Chapter 3 and 4 is Christian duty. Chapter 1 and 2 is Christian beliefs. Chapter 3 and 4 is Christian behavior. The head and the heart always go together, which then affects the hands. Back to chapter 2, verse 6. He says, continue as you started. The Jesus you received that you were taught is the same Jesus you will be built up with, strengthened with, established in. And that will result in thanksgiving and joy. So that's where we start. That's where we continue. And that's where we end. The same Jesus. Not a different Jesus. The same Jesus. There are times when, like, like all of us, I get discouraged or depressed. And uh, one of the things that, that helps me is to, is to go back to uh, songs and, and hymns. Um, and I read them or I sing them. I only sing them quietly. Uh, I don't want to frighten the animals. And uh, one of my favorite hymns, which is talking about Jesus, uh, rooted in Jesus. Remember that, that wonderful old hymn, Rock of Ages. Listen to these words. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. We rooted in Christ. We don't move away from Christ. We grow in Christ. We get established in Christ. But it's the same Christ who saved us, the same Christ who died on the cross, the same Christ who has given us his spirit, the same Christ who will encourage us and grow us and lead us and be with us. Be rooted in Christ. All right, second principle is it's Christ plus nothing. Let me read again verse 4 and then verse 8. Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may, may delude you with plausible arguments. I mean, what were those plausible arguments? How were they deluding the Christians in Colossae? Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So what were these? What were these, uh, these, uh, these human traditions? What was this empty deceit, uh, this human philosophy that they were teaching? Now, we're going to just look at some of the verses here in chapter 2, and in every single case, it was Jesus plus in every single case, Jesus was not enough. They needed more than Jesus. That's what the false teachers were teaching. They were almost saying, Jesus is a good place to start, but he's not enough. He's not, not sufficient. You need more. Um, 
In fact, you've missed out. Just by the way, it's almost a side road. The church always throughout the ages uh, faces many dangers. Um, there are many dangers, there are many traps uh, out there. But two of, the, two of the key traps is either Jesus plus, which we're looking at this morning, or Jesus minus. So this morning we're having a look at Jesus plus and the trap, the danger that we find in Jesus plus. But let me just quickly tell you what Jesus minus is. Jesus minus is when someone says to you, I like the Jesus who says, love your enemy. I like the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount. I like the Jesus who says, turn the other cheek. But I'm not sure I like the Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by, but by me. I like the Jesus who says that, um, that you must pray for your enemies. But I'm not sure I like the Jesus who talks about hell and judgment and God's wrath. I'm not sure I can buy into the miracles of the Bible or the supernatural or the virgin birth or the creation uh, narrative in Genesis chapter 1. That is Jesus minus. That is saying I can sort of pick and choose what I want and what I like. I like this, but I don't like that. Let's accept this, but I'm not so sure about that. My dear friends, that is not the Christian faith. That's not the Christian gospel. You can't pick and choose. There's no Jesus minus and there's no Jesus plus. So both are dangers, both are traps. Now, this passage, let's get back uh, to the text. Paul is dealing with Jesus plus. Now, there were at least two areas in which the false teachers were teaching Jesus plus. Let's pick up those two areas. The first was religious legalism. So let's pick it up, verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Same kind of thing, verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. So the background here was that there were many uh, kosher laws, religious laws within Old Testament Judaism. Certain foods you could eat, certain foods you couldn't eat, certain days you had to keep as sacred and holy, certain festivals you had to keep. And Paul says there, verse 17, all these were shadow of the things to come. The substance is Christ. The fulfillment is Christ. Don't, don't, don't hold on to the shadow when, when the real thing has come. Now, you can almost hear them. They're saying if you really want to be spiritual, if you want, really want to be forgiven, if you really want to be a complete Christian, then, then you need to fast one day a week. That's the key. You need to fast 21 days at the beginning of the year. You need to see that there's certain food you don't eat. Don't eat uh, meat on Fridays. There's certain festivals you need to keep. And then, and then you'll be a complete Christian. Then you'll be victorious. Then you'll experience God's blessings. That was Old Testament Judaism. That's the shadow. That's the promise. And Paul says, no. 
with the coming of Christ, Christ is the fulfillment. Those were the shadow, verse 17. But the substance belongs to Christ. Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient. Christ plus nothing. Now, let me try and apply that in our culture. So in our Christian culture, our, our world, we celebrate Christmas Day. We celebrate Good Friday, Easter Sunday, perhaps Ascension Day. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but they're not sacred days. They're not holy days. There's nothing special about those days. No, every day belongs to God. Every minute, every hour belongs to God. It's not a unique day. 25th of December, we remember the birth of Christ, but who actually knows when he was born? We have no idea. Do we do away with Christmas? I don't think so. I think it's a great opportunity where we share the gospel. And I want you to keep the presents rolling. But it's not a sacred day. It's not a special day, nor is Good Friday, nor is Easter Sunday. One day I want to write a theology of food. Uh, the Christian understanding of food. Because we as Christians, we can eat anything. Do you know that? In moderation. But we can eat anything except, obviously, for sugar and cholesterol and calories and alcohol. No, we can eat anything. So in Judaism, in Judaism, you almost have two kitchens. You have a dairy kitchen and a meat kitchen. In Hinduism, you are not allowed to eat meat, and for certain Hindus, both meat and eggs. In Islam, uh, you only eat halal food. You don't eat any non-halal food. In Christianity, we can eat any food. You know that, anything. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected. You're not more spiritual because you keep to certain special sacred days or holy days or you eat certain food or you don't eat other food. No. Verse 16, it's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus certain rules and regulations, don't touch, don't handle. It's not Jesus plus certain festivals that you have to keep. No, verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Second area that Paul addresses here in chapter 2 in terms of the teaching of the false teachers is they were saying, not only do you need Jesus plus religious legalism, but you need Jesus plus special spiritual experiences. So have a look at verse 18 and 19. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Now, obviously there in verse 18, they are talking about spiritual experiences, mystical experiences. Um, and he says these people go into great detail about their visions, their dreams, their spiritual experiences. Perhaps they, they claim to have seen or heard or listened to angels. Uh, perhaps, they, perhaps they claim to have had some heavenly experience and they go into great detail about these things. The point here, notice they not only claim to have had these special experiences, but they claim that if you haven't, you are disqualified. It's a double whammy. 
So verse uh, 16a, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in these questions. Verse 18a, let no one disqualify you. So, so you can almost hear them. Let me share with you the vision I had last night, the dream I had last night. Let me tell you about the 20 minutes I spent in heaven and what I saw and what I heard. Let me share with you this unbelievable out-of-body experience that I had. And then they disqualify you, perhaps in a subtle way, by not only telling you what they saw and what they experienced, but if you haven't, well, perhaps you're only a second-class Christian. You're not a complete Christian. You haven't yet arrived. In fact, perhaps, perhaps you're not a Christian at all. Now, you see, if, if that's the kind of thing your Christian friends or your, your, your Christian family um, are saying, especially when you're going through difficult times, it can be very intimidating and it can be very manipulative, very tempting to then seek after these visions and dreams and prophecies and, and heavenly experiences. I remember when I was a teenager and a student, I belonged to a wonderful Pentecostal church. And uh, they were wonderful, wonderful brothers and sisters. And I loved them dearly because they discipled me and they loved me. But I think in this area, there was a problem. Uh, they were very concerned that I didn't speak in tongues. And uh, we often talked about it. They talked to me about the importance of speaking in tongues. And then one, one, one evening, the leaders got together with me and uh, they prayed for me for two, three hours and laid hands on me. And, um, and nothing happened. Um, I've never spoken in tongues except for Afrikaans. Um, and there was the kind of... They were loving people. Yo, yo, yo. They were such wonderful, loving people. They were. But I did feel like a second-class Christian. And I hadn't yet understood what Paul says here in Colossians. One of the real areas of misunderstanding was in the area of circumcision. Now, you pick that up in verse 11, verse 13. He talks about circumcision there. And some, what was happening was that some of the believers in the church, some, some of the teachers who previously had been Jews, were teaching that if you wanted to be a complete Christian, if you wanted to be a devoted Christian, a first-class Christian, not only must you believe in Jesus, but you must also be circumcised. Pick it up. Just quickly pick it up. It really gives you some very helpful background. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, Acts is a wonderful book. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you say, what happened then? Well, then you read the book of Acts. It tells you how this Gospel, this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this Jesus movement grew and how the churches were planted. And when you read the book of Acts and you see how the church grew and you ask the question, how did it start? Then you read the Gospels. Acts chapter 15, here we have history 101, Christian history 101 of the church. Acts 15 verse 1, but some men came down from Judea, uh, that's, that's where Jerusalem was, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So notice what they were teaching. You can, uh, you can almost hear them. It's so good that you've believed in Jesus. I'm so pleased about that. It's wonderful. But there's one more thing you need. You need to be circumcised. And Paul says, not on your life. Not on your life. You are not saved through baptism. You are not saved through circumcision. You are saved through Christ and Christ alone. Christ plus nothing. So let me read the Colossians 2, back to Colossians 2, verse 11. He says, In him, in Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So he's not talking about physical circumcision. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trans dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with circumcision. No, God made alive together with him. With Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So in the Old Testament, circumcision was an external sign of an inward reality. Here in Colossians, Paul says you don't need physical circumcision to be saved. You don't need physical baptism to be saved. No, what you need is Christ. The internal reality of Christ. You are saved in Christ. Christ plus nothing. The Church of Christ, not Christ Church, the Church of Christ teaches that unless you are baptized in their church, you cannot be saved. I think it's the same problem, isn't it? Many other churches have unwritten, unspoken laws if you don't go to church, if you if you don't try to be good, if you don't uh, if 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 you don't have enough faith, if you don't give your monthly tithe, you can't be saved. It's unspoken, it's unwritten, but it's there. And I know many of you have come to this church and told me it's the first time you were taught about grace, grace alone, and faith alone, and Christ alone. Now, those are not bad things to go to church and to do good works and to pray and to believe. Of course, they're not bad things, but you're not saved through those things. It's faith in Christ plus nothing. So we must always oppose any Jesus plus or Jesus minus. It's Jesus alone. Last principle, time is gone. Rooted in Christ, Christ plus nothing, last principle, is fullness in Christ. Now, just notice with me here in chapter 2, from verse 6 onwards, how often the phrase, in Christ, to Christ, in him, occurs. Um, one doesn't notice it at first, but when you look for it, it's almost overwhelming. Um, so notice verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7, notice there, rooted and built up in him. 
End of verse 8, notice, and not according to Christ. Notice verse 10, you have been filled in him. Verse 11, again, in him also. Verse 12, buried with him, raised with him. And so it goes on. So the overriding emphasis, the overriding thrust here, is not our actions, our experiences, our rituals, our, our performances. That's not the emphasis. That's not the thrust. No, it's Christ. Christ is the fulfillment. Christ is the beginning and end. Christ plus nothing. Of course, verse 7, you need to be like a tree. You need to have roots. You need to be rooted in Christ. And then the tree needs to grow. There needs to be branches. There needs to be leaves. It needs to be built up. It needs to be established. It needs to grow. But it doesn't need anything more than Christ. You don't need anything other than Christ. Probably the key in this passage, chapter 2, the summary of chapter 2 is verse 9 and 10. They're wonderful verses. Notice verse 9. For in him, that's in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it? The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, as I've said before, look at Jesus. And then he says, verse 10, wonder of wonders, and you have been filled, not half filled, not two-thirds filled. You have been filled in him, Christ, who is the head of all rule and authority. You have everything if you have Christ. Nothing more. You don't need anything more and nothing less. So what does that mean? It means I'm a complete and full Christian. Why? Because I have Christ. It means I'm forgiven. Not because I do good, but because Christ cancelled my debt. It means that Jesus and not my performance has qualified me to be a child of God. It's not my performance, my experience, my rituals. No, it's Jesus who's qualified me to be a child of God. No one can exclude me. No one can disqualify me, including myself. We often are our worst enemies. No one can disqualify me because I have Jesus and Jesus qualifies me. Let me close and say, imagine, so you've got to have a good imagination here. Imagine I was a scientist. Um, and uh, imagine that I was able to uh, miraculous concoct a vaccine um, for, for, the, for the COVID virus. And uh, I didn't keep all my notes and all the formula uh, but I had the vaccine in this test tube right here. Uh, here it is, the real vaccine, the real thing, the real antidote. And then I ask, uh, then I ask Black to, to take this test tube, which has got the antidote. It's got the vaccine to, to the virus, and it's for the whole world, imagine and I say, Black, can you take this? I've, I've called the science department at WITS, and if you can take this test tube, I can't give you the notes, the formula, I've lost those, but take this test tube. In this test tube is the vaccine, and they're going to replicate it for all the world. So Black, 
just just be very very careful please black um, be careful how you how you drive in fact perhaps you shouldn't drive perhaps lily should drive um and black don't don't drop it please please don't drop it and black don't don't add to it don't say well i don't really like this color i think we need a different color let me add a little bit of stuff or don't say well it looks a little bit too thin for me. Let's make it a little bit more thicker. Give it a bit more substance. Let me add some some extra flour or whatever. No, 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 Black. Don't do that. Don't don't add to it. Don't don't drop it and don't don't subtract from it. It's the vaccine. My dear friends, Jesus is the antidote to death. Imagine that. He's the antidote to death. Don't add to him. Don't subtract from him. Here's the antidote. The only answer. Nothing more and nothing less. Now, if you've never trusted in this Jesus, if you've never submitted to him as Lord, as King, wouldn't today be a good day to call on him for mercy and to save you. Let's pray together. Let's spend a few moments of quiet as we reflect on God's word. Father, we do pray that you will forgive us when we have searched high and low for everything or anything but Jesus. Forgive us, Father, when we have not, when we've thought that Jesus was not sufficient, was not enough. Forgive us, Father, if we've neglected him or rejected him. We pray, Lord, that today, this morning, you will draw us back to yourself. Not to religion, not to our performance or our works, but back to Jesus. That we may find our hope, our life, our salvation, our everything in Jesus. Oh, Lord, would you work in our hearts, would you work in our heads, Will you work through our hands that we may not only believe it with all our heart and soul, but that we may share him with others. And we pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, once again, it's been good to be with you this morning. Hasn't it been good to, to sit under the authority of God and his word and to be refreshed and challenged? I hope you've been. I am, as I read this passage, even as I preach this passage, it draws me to the Lord Jesus. So I hope you can join us next week. Um, we're going to be looking, God willing, chapter 3 from verse 1, put on the new self. So don't miss that next week. Same place, same time. God bless you, and I hope you have a good week.